As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. Danny had no idea that he was teeing Jack up for a thing he's absolutely gagging. I had no idea, but I'm delighted because I absolutely agree with him. Bruno Fernandes (laughs) isn't in the same league as Christian Eriksen. He is. I agree with that. Hello, everybody, and welcome once again to the View from the Lane, the Tottenham Hotspur podcast from The Athletic. I'm Danny Kelly, joined today uh, by Jack Pitbrook, returned uh, from a trip to Italy, and James Moore. I take it, Jack, that uh, I take it you flew first class to and from Italy, yeah? Uh, no. Well, I flew I flew BA out there and Ryanair back, so... Okay, so you, you, you've shared the experience of the Spurs manager. Who else was bewildered to see him fighting, elbowing, cl- clawing and scratching for a place on the Ryanair flight? He's the manager of Tottenham Hotspur. Surely he's on a, he'd be on a Learjet. Um, James, back and forth to Turin? Yeah, I mean, I don't... I did think that was strange, but I mean, I guess, uh, uh, presumably, it's, you kind of, uh, if you're not actually going to get a private jet, presumably you're kind of at the mercy of which airlines are operating between those two airports. So I guess, like Jack, uh, Antonio Conte had to slum it a little bit on EasyJet. Who was the player? There was a player, I think. There was a player that Spurs signed, and he flew into England for the first time on EasyJet, and it was there was this whole big joke about Levy being... Tight. I think it was Roberto Soldado. Yeah, that's who I thought it was, yeah. Bobby. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, imagine how, imagine what they sent him back on. We, we were all enjoying this, um, listeners. We we're all enjoying this, and subscribers. We we're all enjoying this um, in the in the WhatsApp group that we have, and I must share everything with you. And then Charlie Eccleshare pointed out it's not the only time that Antonio Conte has been travelling on, you know, the, the most uh, low budget of airlines, and God bless him, because um, he had a picture of Antonio Conte just after he'd been sacked by Chelsea, going to Ibiza um, and having to do a selfie with Charlie's sister. What are the odds about that happening uh, for the podcast? A beautiful thing. The week after he'd been sacked by Chelsea must have been like the highest his bank balance has ever been. Yeah, he sure. could, he, yes, he could have bought the airline, never mind a, you know, a private flight, couldn't he? I'm surp- I, I must admit, I'm, I was surprised he did that because... The you know the the best flight to get to Ibiza is the BA flight from City. Uh, yeah, of course. Whereas well, all, the EasyJet don't like the, te- don't tell people about City. Whereas the, the EasyJet flights secret. from Ibiza are um, pretty hard work. 
uh, there and back. So I applaud Conte's commitment to not not flying from City. Can I just say, just to, just to, just to go back to what you're saying, God bless uh, EasyJet. Was that was it EasyJet or Ryanair? So it was Ryanair, wasn't it? Yes. So uh, Ryanair taking the mick out of Spurs. Yeah. An airline. I mean, we've had a like a paint manufacturer, and now we're getting airlines. Like, oh, and there was somebody else last somebody else last week as well. Um, Who do these people think they are? Um, some uh, insurance company or other. Again, they had some pop at Spurs, and I did. I, th- I thought I'd tweet out saying Spurs fans, remember other insurance uh, uh, companies are available. Um, and I thought, why would I even get involved with this? To be honest. Um, and it, the real difference, and if you want to know for lifestyle purposes, the real difference between the budget airlines and, say, British Airways is the way they treat – how can I put this? Fat people. Um, when I get on uh, British Airways, the belt goes around me. All right, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm superbly upholstered. I, I maintain my winter condition all year round. But when you go on, on, Air, on Air Lingus, which is the other airline I use now, which is now these days a budget airline – the belt isn't big enough to go around me. And so you have this whole embarrassing thing of having to say to the steward, um, excuse me, can I have the extender? And then they come back to you with it wrapped up in their hands like they've got a tiny mouse or something trying to not embarrass you. But everyone's like, oh, what's they got? What's he getting that I'm not getting? And what I'm getting is, is an extension to the seatbelt. But I've got over this, ladies and gentlemen, by, frankly, I stole one of their extenders and now I just put... <laughs> I carry it with me at all times when air travelling and I just put it on um, without having to go through the whole rigmarole. Let's move on away from the travel range for the Spurs manager, making a holy show of the club, um, travelling around with, with the hoi polloi. We've been talking a lot about incoming transfers and now they've dried up, at least the official confirmation of them has dried up. Pretty amazed, James, that, that uh, Daniel Levy's managed to get the thick end of 30 million quid out of Ajax for Steven Bergvine. I suppose it, it ended up becoming a bit of a seller's market in that situation, didn't it? Because Ajax, we know, have uh, had a pretty big windfall from selling Sebastian Haller to Dortmund. And they're obviously going to get money from selling Lissandro Martinez to Arsenal and Manchester United at some point. They've got the best part of 80 million quid, probably more than that. Oh, they'll about, sell Anthony off, as well off, off Manchester the back United. Anthony as well, yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. So they're going to be rebuilding their team. And clearly they've decided that Bergwijn is a player they want as their kind of attacking figurehead, which you can see. He will definitely do well in Holland, by the way, back there. I, I have no doubt about that. So, yeah, I, I'm not I'm not actually that surprised by that. I mean, it's not... Uh, so, what is it? 30 million euros, we think, which is what? Like, sort of 26 but, million 26 pounds? a bit million, yeah, yeah. I mean, Manchester United were apparently offered nearly 35 million uh, sterling for him. Um, but he wanted to go to uh, what can only be described as a Champions League club, with all due respect to uh, to one of football's great institutions. I imagine that for Bergwijn, the big priority now is 21st November, Senegal against Holland in Doha, opening game of the World Cup. He has to be in good. He has to be in good condition for that. You know, he has continued to play for Holland, you know, while not being in the Tottenham team. He's actually got more goals for Holland over the last two seasons than he has for Spurs. But He's had a particularly good run in the last six months. Every yeah. game they've played, he's done very well. He's been their best player pretty much, probably, yeah. hasn't he, from what I, in the kind of games I've seen. Yeah, the, the irony is he plays up front for Holland now with Memphis Depay, a very similar play, player in many ways, except probably just more rapping than Stephen does. Um, and I wouldn't be at all surprised if Spurs directly replaced him with Depay. Does that seem possible? Maybe. Is he on a Bosman? It's a, is Depay a free agent? No, he's, he's cheap, though, because he's got a very little contract to go, and they're really keen to get the age of their centre-forwards right up um, <laughs> Barcelona into their mid-30s. Oh, he was a free agent last year, wasn't he, when he went to Barcelona? He is, is right? he's, you can get him for €17 million. Euros. 
I'm, I, I am uh, what, what unreliably I informed. I be, yeah. Personally, I'd be surprised if Tottenham went for Memphis, uh, kind of on the basis that they've already got three plus Richarlison before you even get to Lucas. I don't know. So Memphis would be further down the pecking order if he did come in, and I don't know how much. I mean, after his experience at Man, uh, Man United, would he want to come back to England to be a sort of bit part player? He's a better player. He's a better player than when he was at Manchester United. Yeah. The spell at Leon transformed him. He has like a higher ceiling than Lucas, fairly obviously, I guess. But I, I, it just feels like a bit of a risk. You kind of know what you're going to get with Lucas. Two for every position. Like, Two for every position, chaps. I reckon they'll end up with five for those three positions. That's, okay. that's my instinct. What about um, the uh, incomings? Uh, you know, Longley, you know, Barcelona's a difficult club to deal with because they've got to literally look after every centime and peso. Um, but Jed Spence, I'm already now sick of him. Uh, it's like as if he's played for Spurs <laughs> for 18 months and been bang average. I'm already sick of him because he, I don't want to read any more pieces by In the Nose, who, of course, always tell me Spurs have already signed Fraser, Forster, and Beretich and all the rest of it. Why is this not one not being finished? Uh, Jack, I, mean, I know you've been away on holiday, but you might as well have been trying to do the deal for all the progress that's been made. I just think it's negotiations, really, isn't it? Tottenham have actually, I think, been more proactive and more aggressive in the market than we might have expected um, in the sort of six weeks since the end of the Premier League season. I mean, look, I can't believe people are getting upset about a transfer dragging on when it's the 6th of July. I know. I, yeah. you know Still how 57 ma- days how, to go, how many, how many times over the years have we been tearing our hair out on the 31st of August? about a particular player coming in or not. So I think people should... I know that, of course, you know these things are quite frustrating when you're like in the midst of it and you're spending your life on Twitter refreshing it, like, like we all do. But it's, you know, pe- 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 people should relax a bit. I think Longley will be... I don't think it's imminent, but I, th- I think it's likely that it will happen this week, Longley, and I think he'll be a good addition. He's a, he's another one, I think, uh, James, that we'll, people will say, oh, well, you know, he's not even always in Barcelona's team. Though he did play nearly 30 games last season. Um, but if the if the experience of Benton Kerr and Kulusevski is anything to go by, it is that there are good footballers there who are not currently doing it for their clubs who can get hold of. I mean, I've, I've tried to really... I've had, of course, nearly two weeks to gen up on Langley. Um He makes mistakes, um, and that's something that, you know, hopefully a better coach would take out of him. But what he, is, he really is good at is with his, using his left foot, beating the first man in the press. Go and watch uh, any, any of these long, long bits and pieces about him on YouTube. He, I mean, it's risky at times, but that's the modern game. Um, he, takes on the fir- he takes on the first presser and beats them. Um, that's what Conte sh- wants, though, from that position, yeah. isn't it? From the wide centre-back, he wants them to drive forward with the ball. And we've seen that with Davis and with Romero. So... I mean, look, if, and a lot of Spurs fans on Twitter have said this, and I agree with it, if if he's the man that, or if he is someone that Conte thinks is worth having in the squad, then I'd back that. I'd be, I'd be satisfied with that. I've seen him play a few times in the last couple of seasons. He's not looked great before that. Was it Severe? And he was good at Severe, wasn't he? Very it? good at Severe. He was there for a couple of years, yeah. or one year, I think, actually. Um, so clearly he's got, he's got something about him. Um, and look, I, I mean, I, I know, you know, and, and Jack was the first person to write this, I think. Left-sided centre-back was the priority position for Spurs this summer. Uh, and you can see why. But I don't I don't think, like... I mean, as a fan, if you're looking at that team at the back end of the last season, you're not looking at Ben Davies and thinking, oh, they, they need to upgrade here. You, you're just not. Well, hence the conversation like, we've had on here when I say, how far exactly. down the list do we go before we say, actually, Ben Davies is a better player than that? Um, exactly. And, you yeah. know, look, if you're, if you're a club who... Uh, a, a top four club I suppose as well last season with aspirations of being even better than that which is what you know you have to have that mentality as a football yeah. club as a big as a supposedly big football club 
Um, you should always be looking to improve. Don't, but, be, don't be defensive. Look, okay, they're not look, supposedly... You, 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 be, they're a big football club. You've been beaten down by this trophy nonsense and Arsenal fans and all the rest of it. Spurs are a massive club, man. You know, if you, uh, look, and you don't just improve by signing new players. You improve through coaching. And we've seen that with Dyer and Davis over the last sort of six months. And even Sanchez, when he came back into the team at the end of last yep. season, looked good. So, look, just because the guy has struggled at Barcelona and a complete nuthouse of a club who have been kind of chopping and changing systems. He's probably played with like 100 different centre-backs over three years. Uh, I, I could, could easily see like, you know, he feels like exactly like the kind of player who under a new coach, a good coach, a coach who knows how to organise the defence and a team in general, he could improve massively. Yeah, and although he may also have his eye on the end of, of November and the start of the World Cup, the uh, sheer proliferation of centre-backs that France have got means that doesn't seem very likely at all. Jack, uh, part of me thinks that Langley won't be the last centre-half. I still think they'll go for a perhaps even more highly rated and much more expensive uh, centre-half option. Or do you think, a bit like the forwards, that they will have then filled their boots? Let's say Rodon moves on and they keep Sanchez. Yeah, I don't know. I've been thinking about this this morning, actually. Will it? Will Longley be it at centre-back? I think he probably will be, because I don't think it would make sense to bring him, bring him on bring him in on loan and then spend big on a sort of Guardiola, Bastoni, Pau Torres type player because then mm-hmm. you'd have three guys who can play left centre-back. It doesn't really make sense. I, I, My sense is that Longley is a kind of kick-the-can-down-the-road option. You get him in on loan for a year. He provides cover and competition for Ben Davis. If if he's really good, they can maybe sign him permanently. If, if not, if they do still feel like they need an upgrade in 2023, then maybe they can go back in with big money for Guardiola or... Or Bastoni or uh, uh, any other good left-sided centre-back on the market. So I, that's my sense. Although Tottenham have surprised us so far. You know, they've done whether the Perisic deal, the Richarlison deal, each in their own way surprising. So, I, But my, my impression is that it'll be Longley and nobody else. Because if they do get Longley, then they could go... In, and even if Roden goes, then they can go into the season with Longley, Davis, Dyer, Romero, Sanchez, Tanganga... Yeah. Tanganga, I've forgotten about. Yes, I think Tanganga will stay, and that would be back in training. That yeah. would be six options for the three centre back spots, and that I think would probably be enough. Oh no, absolutely. To be truthful, I had allowed Tanganga to drift to the edges of my uh, mental space, and of course, he he's homegrown. Um, which yeah, uh, that's, currently that's is, why he will one hundred percent stay. I think Tanganga. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I'm glad you mentioned Richarlison because, um, first of all, I, I, I'd like to get your views on it since uh, you missed the previous uh, podcast, Jack, about Richarlison. Um, but a, a thought came to him when the, the FA um, airily announced, um, on a very good day to announce bad news, as they say, um, airily announced that he would miss the first game of the season against Southampton because of the flare-throwing incident. The flare-throwing incident happened, I think, in the sixth last game of the season. He wasn't banned by the FA, he scored critical goals that you could argue kept Everton up. So both Burnley and Spurs are being punished for something the FA could have dealt with last season. Am I right? Well, also, he's not going to be able to play in a game against Southampton, who theoretically, I, I, I would say, could be in a sort of lower to mid-table slash relegation mix of Everton at the end of the season. So Everton could benefit from him not playing against Southampton, maybe, come the end of the season as well. 
I mean, I know we've had a pandemic and everything, but it hasn't affected the FA. And the old uh, uh, the old saw that justice delayed, delayed is justice denied holds some water here. They could have just dealt with this, but somehow, you know, I'm not going on. I mean, for Spurs, they should have enough resources to give Southampton a decent game of football. Yeah. Um, but for Burnley, those goals he got towards the end of the season were absolutely critical. Um, in, 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 I mean, I, I'll say it again. I think he kept them up. What do you make of the Richarlison? Um, transfer Jackson so I've got you here now uh, yeah I really like Richarlison mm. I uh, I think he he's a great character I like watching him play he plays with a lot of personality he can do a bit of everything like he's strong he's quick he's got a good touch he can lead the line he can play wide he can score goals obviously it's pretty tough like trying to be you know being the best player on a bad team and trying to keep them up by yourself um, when everything else is kind of falling around falling around you is difficult um so I think we'll see. We'll probably see a different Richarlison. He'll play less, obviously, at Spurs. He'll be better coached. He will might have to accept a slight adjustment to his role. I don't think he'll start every game. That said, I th- Spurs, I think, were pretty lucky with injuries last year. Um, you know, Kane and it's not it's not like Kane and Son won't play every game forever. Like eventually, one of them will get injured next year, particularly with the World Cup. So Spurs will need that extra depth. And the beauty of Richarlison, I think, is that he can play Son's role, Kane's role, or Kulusevski's role pretty well in that system um, the other thing to say is it's just so unleavy it's so unleavy to spend 50 million on someone who's not even an automatic first teamer but coming in as like backup for an area where they're already strong and it just does and especially doing it this early in the window so I think in that way it does also underline the the way in which this is a different Tottenham and a different Daniel Levy but yeah I'm, I'm pro Richarlison two thumbs up yeah and also it means that Spurs are starting to develop down the middle of the team um, the exact kind of shithousery that uh, Antonio Conte absolutely loves. Which takes us on to the strikers, further on to the strikers. And now, forgive me, I don't play fantasy football. I mean, I play a Spurs fantasy game with some friends of mine um, where I was robbed on the last day of the season um, for having led the league all through the entire year. F- fantasy Premier League is incredibly popular. Millions play it. And I understand that the price tags have uh, been revealed for the new season. I don't know if either of you two play. I know our new producer. We've got a new producer. And if anybody has noticed a um, different tone to the show, that's partly because we're all our best behaviour and partly because he's an Arsenal fanatic. In, in, the, in the new, uh, just put out the, uh, the menu, if that's the right word, for fantasy Premier League. Um, and Son has a higher price tag than Harry Kane. How has that come about? Son has a higher, has a higher price tag than Harry Kane. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah, goals and assists combined, though. Surely Kane was higher. But uh, do you get more points for goals? I guess you do. Well, this is the, this, which I thought would be an excellent part of this podcast, since none of us obviously know the rules. No. <laughs> I, I, I haven't played for about five years. This, this part of the show has gone down right like Richarlison, hasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, of course, it's a big laugh how much he dives, isn't it? Because that's how football fans are. My, my favourite thing with Fantasy League was always come up with a funny team name and then it was quite fun to pick the team and then you just give up a bit when it's you realise so you can't bother to boring. do it. It's so boring, absolutely. September. It, is, it yeah. is boring. Like, like make, making a team at the start of the season is good fun because you get like the new kind of signings to the league and you like put a team together. That bit is good. But then it's just like having to keep up with every week, having to worry who scores for fucking West Brom or whoever. Yeah. I can't, I can't, be, I can't add that much more also, for, for me, fantasy league is like tra- it's like football transfers. It's football for people that don't like football. Yeah, the tra- it's an excuse the, to talk about football that isn't actually football. 
Uh, oh, there goes my clean sheet, that kind of thing. The only fun thing is... God, I hate yeah. that. Uh, who got the assist? Uh, you know, com- coming up... Oh, that is, no, that is the absolute who got the assist? That. Who People got the assist? who care about get an assist in a game they have no, yeah. like, no skin. Get in there, Bruno yeah. assist. It no, awful. No, 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 no. I can't, yeah, I just... Like, oh, does it count as an assist if they won the penalty? Yeah, yeah, it does, yeah. Yes. <laughs> Fuck off. I did the very I first... with James on this. I did the first series of Fantasy Football League over on Radio 5 on the BBC before it even went on TV. Um, I was one of the, I mean, microscopic celebrities that they got to do. Uh, the t- and, of course, I spoiled the game, really, because after six weeks, I'd come, I'd come on every three or four weeks to do an hour on it, um, and I hadn't changed my team at all. And, there, were, and there, <laughs> there was one week where it's pointed out to me that only eight of my players were fit, and, I'm, and I had no answer other than I'm so bored with this game already um, and I'm at home listening to craft work. I can't be bothered picking more players. Thank you very, very much indeed. But that was presumably, that was presumably in the days when you had to do it by post as well, right? Oh, I think you, no, you, you sent out a runner like, with a cleft stick. It really was a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. Maybe, yeah. maybe, maybe for you. There was no stamps or anything like that. You had, I put a, a wax seal on mine and sent it off. <laughs> Um, just for the, for the information, Son is worth twelve million in the new game, and Harry Kane is worth eleven point five. So it's not Bargain. that big a deal. Start last season, Kane was twelve point five million, and Son was valued at a measly ten. Let's talk about somebody who isn't coming to Spurs. Then um, Christian Eriksen has decided to go to Manchester United. Even that spell when he was kind of falling off his best form because he didn't know what he was going to do with his contract and all the rest of it. You can't forget the years he'd given Spurs and how brilliant he is. And I guess I, there's a part of me, a tiny part of me that wants him to come back to Spurs. Um, but if again, I'm afraid if James James is right about this, if Conte doesn't want it, then me wishing for it is probably counterproductive. Um, the, my issue, though, Jack, is um, where he's going to play at Manchester United because doesn't he play in the almost the exact spot as Bruno Fernandes? Well, so what? I mean, he, he's so much better than Bruno Fernandes. It doesn't matter. It, do, it doesn't matter that they happen to play in the same position. Danny had no idea that he was teeing Jack up for a thing he's absolutely gagging to I say. had no idea, but I'm delighted because I absolutely Bru- agree with Bru- him. Bruno Fernandes <laughs> isn't in the same league as Christian Eriksen as a footballer. He isn't. He, re- like, he genuinely is. They, they, exist, they exist in different categories. They are completely different categories of footballer. Christian Eriksen is one of the best players of his generation. And Bruno Fernandes is a very effective player, but he's, he's not. Um, so I, I, I can't believe some of the stuff I've been I mean the number of people have been saying this on Twitter all week it's kind of driven it's it kind of melted my brain reading all these bad tweets about it like, uh, this, is, this is very simplistic uh, and obviously like Manchester United have loads of, or have had loads of problems over the last four years five years longer than that uh, since Fernandez has, Bruno Fernandez has been at Manchester United they basically regressed I know they finished second in the lockdown season I think but uh, you know broadly speaking they've got progressively worse mm-hmm. When Ericsson was at Spurs, you know they went from being mid-table to the Champions League final. Uh, and again, like, there are other players in both of those teams, and there were like, uh, Spurs had a proper manager and whatever else. But <laughs> Spurs massively improved with Ericsson as their creative fulcrum. Look, and United with Bruno in the team. Uh, statistically, only Kevin De Bruyne in that kind of creative and scoring position has done better than Christian Eriksen over the past number of years. Well, I think, is Eriksen still top of the assist thing since he moved to English football the first time I think time De Bruyne think, is slightly ahead of him now. Well, Silva was the only one who was up there yeah. as well. Because all- David Silva, actually. Well, I think- then, if he's so great, why didn't Spurs want him? Oh, because they play- I think Conte's very wedded to this 3-4-3, you know. Yeah. I think that is just how he wants the team to play. And yeah, he did play Eriksen a bit 
at the end of his of his time into and Ericsson critically did really, Ericsson did do really really well at that point but that's not to say that he wants to rejig the whole team around Ericsson now which is what he'd have to do I don't yeah I just can't really see it I know I can see why they didn't do it although on a personal level I would rather Ericsson was playing for Tottenham but yeah I would lo- I would I would love I would have loved for it to have happened that would have been absolutely amazing but I can see and this is just my theory I, 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 this isn't like you know the athletic understands this is James Moore Ponders, um, which is a much better line that we should be picking on all our pieces. Yeah. Uh, I want to call it. If, if you're Antonio Conte and you've got a squad and you know in this mad season you're going to have to rotate a lot and you've got this like massively popular guy who's had a heart attack and you know, you know, know, all that stuff, all the emotion of that sat on the bench. I kind of think you're like inviting a lot of pressure on yourself as a manager. Like there's going to be so much fun. There, there would be so much fun expectation. And even at Manchester United, there'll be there'll be less expectation, totally. and attention on him. No, no, he, way less. he could sat on he the bench and becomes Spurs. a massive distraction, doesn't he? If he comes to Spurs and doesn't play, yeah. And, and despite what we say about Bruno Fernandes, they do still have Bruno Fernandes as well. They wouldn't be as reliant on him. But if he came to Spurs and the expectation was he was the creative midfield option, you know, obviously way more than Bentancur or Skip or uh, Bissouma or Winks or whoever else is there in midfield. Who's the one I've forgotten? Hoiberg. Um, uh, there would just be so much pressure on him, and I can kind of see why you might want to avoid that. Yeah, I'm, it's never as good second time. It's never as good second time round. Never. I'm not suggesting that should be a basis for transfer decisions no. by football clubs or managers, no, no. but uh, it just it, it just never is. Okay, well, look, uh, 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 all I can do because he's given me so much pleasure down the years is wish him all the best at Manchester United, up to and including finishing fifth. You know, uh, yeah, I hope he, I hope he's head head and shoulders their best player, and they finish two positions below Spurs. Uh, that, that seems very fair indeed. Let's have a little break now in a show that started out being called "The View from the Lane," but which I now call "The Ponderings of James Moore." This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is supported by Season 3 of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League 2 after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League 1? FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Catch all new episodes Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. 
Hi guys, sorry not to be there today. Uh, I'm at Wimbledon. Um, but whilst here, I have been able to do a bit of view from the main business. Um, you'll remember last week, Danny telling us a story of him um, while at Wimbledon being carted out of the grounds after giving a stirring, prolier-than-thou, anti-elitist speech uh, about the All England Club while on air. So I tracked down John Inverdale, who Danny said he was on air with for this unforgettable uh, speech. Turns out John Inverdale actually can't remember it. However, John did say to me to ask you, Danny, uh, about some sort of Sergeant Pepper and football crossover. He said it was the highlight of his uh, broadcasting career. So, yeah, keen to get your, your read on that. And, and the fact that he couldn't remember such a seemingly unforgettable moment as your um, stump speech about Wimbledon. Yes, welcome back everybody to The View From The Lane um, with me, Danny Kelly, James Moore and Jack Pitt-Brook and, as you heard there, Charlie Eccleshare. Yes, and last week I told the story. I mean, Inverdale is a good friend of mine, but he, he does, he does, he knows his way around a, around a wine list. Uh, and I, <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> that is the most partridge thing no, you've no, said yet, but I was getting, by an absolute mile. Good. Inverdale is a good friend of mine, and he, but he does know his way around a wine list, so you can't be that surprised if he doesn't remember everything. The uh, thing he's talking about, though, actually... He's right, maybe the highlight of my career as well. We used to do a Friday night show um, on uh, Radio 5, and we were doing it in a studio right down beneath the bowels of the BBC, below the basement, below the sub-basement. There's one studio right down, deep, deep down underneath um, London, and it was the studio that was built so that Churchill could safely broadcast uh, during the Second World War. Not only was it bomb-proof because it was four stories down under the city, but there was a door, a big metal door with like a submarine handle, one of those big sort of spinning handles that opened directly out into the tube line so they could get him back to the House of Commons without having to go upstairs up to the bombed-out city. So I always loved working in that studio. And one day um, we were talking for reasons I can't remember about the cover of Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Heart Club Band. And I was talking about, you know, Stockhausen and all the various people are on it. And I said, of course, there's a footballer on it. Um, because as a young man, um, John Lennon was vaguely interested in football. And his favourite player was Liverpool's centre-forward, uh, I think it's centre-forward, Albert Stubbins. And if you look at the top row, over on the left-hand side, there's a man in a striped jersey. And that was Albert Stubbins. The phone went. And on comes a very old and frail uh, female voice. And she says, hello, I'm Mrs. Albert Stubbins. Oh, fantastic. Mrs. Albert Stubbins, blah, blah, blah. Um, he was a great player, all this, all that. Is the great man, I don't know how to put this, is the great man still with us? And she said, oh, yeah, he's upstairs in the bath. I'll get him. And so the next thing we've got is her shouting up the stairs for Albert Stubbins to come with a towel around his waist, I presume, flip-flopping, slip-slopping down the stairs to talk to us on that show. It was one of those moments where television would have taken 40 people and six weeks of planning to make that happen. Next thing I'm talking to one of the faces on the cover of Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Heart Club Band. And thank you for John Inverdell for remembering that. So this show, which started out being called The View from the Lane, then became uh, The Ponderings of James Moore. Now, Danny Kelly's recollection of the Churchill studio under the BBC. Um, I'm doing all this at such high speed because I want to avoid the next topic. The new Arsenal fanatic producer reminds me that it's 21 years today. Happy birthday to Sol Campbell's departure for Arsenal. 
Can you remember, James? I mean, you're probably still at primary school. Can you remember your your own response to Campbell's treachery? Yeah. I, well, firstly, I, I think it was the week I got my GCSE results. Actually, not so leaving uh, <coughs> senior school. Yeah. If anything. Yeah. Um, yeah, I remember being incredibly annoyed, like walking into the living room and seeing on Sky Sports News or, or SkySports.com TV or whatever it was called back then that Sol Campbell, like walking out of the training ground at Arsenal with Arsene Wenger. And it had sort of been expected he was going to go to Barcelona and then obviously he had had this sort of change of heart or it was what he was planning the whole time. Uh, yeah, what? A, yeah, not great that, I don't think. No. Uh, not great for me. I, I, mean, I mean, I will. I, just trying to be polite. Uh, Jack, I'm just trying to work out where the line is. I, I, I know what I'm going to say, but Jack, I don't suppose you, you know, you're not a Spurs fan. You're a young man. You probably have no recollection of this. Uh, no, I, I do remember seeing it come up on on teletext, and well, I had kind of no sense that it was going to happen. And then all of a sudden, you flicked on page what 302 for the football headlines, and there it was at the top. Saw Campbell joining Arsenal, uh, and that's my main. That's my main memory of it. I think remember in, in advance it was kind of suggested that he might go to Inter Milan or Barcelona. Mm-hmm. I think, but I, no, I, I would be lying if I said I had some kind of deep emotional despair at the news. The, the other thing I should say is that when I was a kid, like I had like every Spurs home shirt and most Spurs away shirts, like in the sort of six or seven years before that, uh, and I would have a player's name on the back of every single one, and and like I, you know who would have had like Les Ferdinand, you know, uh, this is probably pre Deadly King, but like I had a Stephen Everson one, Ginola definitely, a th- you know, a few other sort of players from that era my mum was like but my mum my wouldn't let me have Sol Campbell's name on the back of the shirt oh. she was I, it was like she knew it was coming yeah and like you know my, 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 my had great foresight clearly um she absolutely nailed that well I was at the time um lord lording it over the uh, then still um pubescent football 365 which I'd launched a, a year or so earlier whatever the time scale was um, and I was convinced he was going to Barcelona. It did not occur to me in one million years. And suddenly, I mean, they came as a duo. Two of the staff came in to break the news to me. And I have to say, for the for the only the second time in my entire life, um, I couldn't form words. My mouth was moving, but nothing was coming out. First was when two friends of mine who I didn't even know, um, I thought they were both eternal virgins, um, and I didn't even know they'd seen each other, suddenly announced to me one day they were getting married. Um, they'd be doing all this behind my back and without my permission. And then Sol Campbell's going to Arsenal. And I I, I, I just couldn't um, get the words out. A few weeks later, listen to this. I was at the LSE, the London School of Economics, doing one of those panel things for the students with Doug Ellis, um, former owner of, Man- of uh, Aston Villa, David Ellery, then our leading referee, and Sky Andrew, um, the, uh, the agent, oh, no. uh, agent of Sol Campbell. And afterwards, we were having a few drinks and uh, all being hail fellow well met. And he said to me, look, Dan, you know, you've worked with Sol several times on the TV on Under the Moon and all that. Um, he will want to know what you think about this. And I remember saying and pulling my most glacial face and saying, you tell Sol that I will never, ever forgive him. And when I'm an old man and he's an old man, both of us probably on a porch in Essex. And I'm sat out there with something, you know, red and, red and delicious balanced on my chest. I will still never forgive him. Now, of course, I've since made it up with him in some way. You know, he did my sporting life with me on the radio. And um, though we're still... You traitor. Yeah, no, I know. Well, you pathetic, spineless little toad. You what? You think I'm so spineless Dude. I can be in the cabinet? Go on. 
Well, that is unbelievable. Well, time passes. Like and then time passes, doesn't it? I didn't toady up to him. He was, did. You had him on your show. Yeah, because it's an interesting story, isn't he? I, I, I had this situation once okay. when I worked at 442. James, uh, sorry, Jack, we'll get back uh, to you when, when this private grief yeah, he, has been, uh, yeah, yeah. Has been uh, catharsized. Where I very nearly ended up in a situation where I had to go to his house to do an interview with him. Right. And like, it had taken ages, like like months and months and months to set up this big like reader's uh, question interview. Right. Uh uh, and the guy who said the, the one of the other editors who set it up was like, "Yeah, you should do this. It would be funny." Uh, and then in the end, that guy ended up doing it because he spent so much time setting it up, which was definitely for the best because I could not go to. Oh, so you weren't actually tested by his presence then? I wasn't. I oh, wasn't so by his mate, so yeah, that was all in the past. <laughs> I can, I can I can do it. Yep. I can do it. Well, uh, I got. Should say fantastic football, and I'm sure not a bad man. I know, but also for Spurs fans, the proof came. Um, that there is an active and living God or the universe works in mysterious ways. Within, what was it, a few months of that horrible uh, thing where he went off to Arsenal, didn't Ledley King start to play for Spurs? Yeah. And you're going, I looked at him and thought, oh, blinking hell, thank you, God. Um, yeah, class, good bloke. And, and I have met Ledley King, great bloke. Yeah, lovely chap, lovely chap indeed. Saul Campbell, yeah. I've interviewed Saul Campbell, he's a nice guy. Ah, oh, shut up, Jack, why would you say that? He what, is. What, what, is that, what, is that, what has that added to anything? Why would you Balance. say that? Balance. What, sorry, <laughs> you're on true. the wrong blinking sorry. podcast, <laughs> aren't you? I forgot. Balance. That's our, that is our credo, balance. Sorry, yeah. we're right. Balance. So if I might um, once again pick at the uh, never-healing scab that is relationship between Spurs and Arsenal and our fans, what about the unveiling of Gabriel Jesus, where obviously Spurs have got the skywalk, it is unique, it is fantastic, it's a fantastic characteristic of the new stadium, and Arsenal clearly using bits of old Lego and Meccano that they found um, somewhere in, in, in the back of the stadium, um, built a very rickety-looking little yeah. platform. About, you know, I wouldn't have gotten it. It was only for you know, athletic-built pe- people to replicate the experience. It was pathetic, wasn't it? I did think that was weird. I mean, obviously, it's a nod to uh, Christ the Redeemer, right? Is he? He's, but he's not from Rio, is he? He's from Sao Paulo. Yeah. And I, and I get his name is Jesus. I get it. And yeah. he's from Brazil still. Yeah, but you wouldn't put Jesus I, out on a scaffold you'd made for like a two-year-old. Well, no, exactly. Oh, oh, I mean, uh, just to air another 442 grievance. <laughs> it, it, I mean, we shot him for the cover once and he, I think he refused to do that. Oh, the old... Um, we, we, um, weren't, we weren't paying him 300 grand a week. Maybe that's the difference. Um, let's talk a bit about the fact that um, Spurs' last two managers um, have crossed each other in the revolving door of managerial appointments. Um, Poch is finally available again, or to put it another way, been sacked. Um, after, after a long time sorting out his, his belongings in a cardboard box, to be fair to him. And <laughs> I... Was that the longest sacking ever? Oh, I thought he got sacked like six weeks it, ago. It, it, he only got sacked this it week. It was extraordinary. I mean, unless the bloke was chained to a radiator, why didn't he just get up and walk out and say, oh, sorry, there's the keys to the company car, I'm off. Um, and well, can, can, you th- can you maybe think of a reason? Uh, there might be a reason. What, the reason is presumably that he's negotiating money. Why he wouldn't break his contract. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you once again, Jack, for <laughs> pulling us down there. Relentless logic. Um, the interesting thing is that all the clubs that he might aspire to manage, which were all in very fluid managerial situations, I guess six months ago, all look very much you know, happy, happily chained to the current incumbents. So um, I guess he, he will now sit on the bench while he's waiting for one of these projects to go calamitously wrong. Let's hope it isn't the one in North London. Um, meanwhile, Nuno um, uh, has 
has found a, a job in, uh, is it Saudi Arabia? I'm not quite certain. Yeah, Al Itihad in Jeddah. Thank you. Uh, he's he's replaced Cosmin Contra, I think, to become the new oh, manager. Oh, wow. That's cool. Yeah. It's cool. So I don't know why I think that's cool, but check it. Cosmin Contra, I mean... I was really wow. like, I, I don't know why, but this news completely thrilled me. I was so excited to read that Nuno's taking over at Al Itihad. I've got to say, and I'm sure he's getting well paid, and that's the reason he's there, with respect. But I, I, and we panned him on this podcast. I have panned him oh, constantly. There's been panage, yes. Ne- for nearly a year. But I, surely you get a better job than that. I thought so. I would have thought so as well. I mean, I, you know, I obviously didn't work at Spurs, but you're very well at Wolves over the course of like a three year period, maybe not right at the end. I just surely can get well, a better well, job. Well, I, I will now play the part of Jack Pitbrook. Why do you think he might have gone to a club in Saudi Arabia? <laughs> well, like I said, I know why he's gone there. But you can, I'm sure he could earn good money at a club in and yet, Spain and or yet, Portugal you know, wherever you, you, you know, I presume every manager of every professional football club carries in their wallet a picture of Alan Kerbishley to remind themselves of what happens if you don't take a job that's offered to you. That you're, that of course, true. you're you're always expecting the next big job to come down the pipeline, but it isn't a guarantee, is it? I was expecting that to be Eddie Howe now, by the way, and he's clearly landed on his Whoa. feet, so uh, it, it, it can still work out. Maybe he just thinks, you know, a year, a year, I mean, look, he's not going to stay there a long time, but maybe he thinks a year or two of sunshine, money, maybe win the Asian Top Champions class League, golf. Uh, getting to manage uh, Andre Andre, who of course played for him at Porto. Uh, getting to manage West Brom legend Ahmed Hagazi, who is now playing for Al-Itihad. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, it, it could be good fun, maybe. Well, so I guess managing in Saudi Arabia probably isn't a bad way into the Newcastle job. But that's exactly what occurred to me. Could it be that you do very, very well in Saudi Arabia um, when Newcastle feel the need to move on from Eddie Howe? Perhaps. You know, who knows? Um, that's exactly the mentality you want. Big spending club. That's exactly the mentality you want for your manager, isn't it? Eight men behind the ball. That's what we're going to. We're going to spend two hundred million pounds on attacking players and then appoint Nuno to sit everyone behind the ball for eighty minutes. Can I make a request to our listeners on this? Point yeah. About about the Al Itihad thing. So I did a tweet the other day saying that Nuno was not, in fact, the first former Tottenham manager to manage Al Itihad because. Ozzy mm. Ardiles had also managed mm. Al Ittihad, which showed up at, on the... I saw it for the first time on the Al Ittihad Wikipedia page and then cross-referenced it with various other like contemporary media reports saying that Ardiles had managed Al Ittihad. However, I then got a few tweets from people saying, no, you're mistaken. Ardiles managed the Al Ittihad in Syria. There's a team in Aleppo called Al Ittihad who play in the Syrian league. In fact, Ardiles managed them and not the Saudi Al-Itihad. And when I went back and checked on Wikipedia, Ardiles was listed as having managed the Syrian Al-Itihad as well as the Saudi Al-Itihad. And so I spent quite a long time Googling this yesterday. I love you, man. (laughs) Trying to figure out, did Ardiles manage the Saudi Al-Itihad or the Syrian Al-Itihad? Now, I can't find any firm proof either way my suspicion, I think it's more likely that he managed the Saudi al had because I found stories from, there was one in the Evening Standard from 2001 when he took the job, there was an interview with Ardiles from the early 2000s, with, you know, predating, stuff that predates Wikipedia, saying that Ardiles was managing the Saudi al had. I, I messaged someone I know who knows Ardiles well, who he said he didn't know the correct answer. But if anybody can find me clear proof 
that our dealers managed either the Syrian or the Saudi Alice had. I would act, I would be incredibly grateful because I really really want to know and I don't I don't know how to find out for certain. Without wanting to like give too much of a glance behind the curtain in terms of a journalistic process at the Athletic. <laughs> uh, I, what time did you do this yesterday? Because you filed the piece that you wrote really late. Well, was this before you filed your piece? Uh, or it might even have been actually it might have been over the weekend. Uh, of course it was. Yeah, I think it was over the de- weekend because I did that wasn't tweet. <laughs> this definitely, it definitely no, I'm agree. not taking the piss it. By the way, d- Danny, it's appraisals week this oh. week for, for Jack and Charlie. Oh my God. If any if any at View from the Lane listeners have any feedback they want for, for Jack or Charlie's <laughs> appraisal. Okay, no, yes, this is true. <laughs> the, the point about this was very quickly that the uh, producer wanted to make us squirm by saying... Have you forgiven Nuno? We never didn't not forgive him. He's just a wrong bloke in the wrong place, wasn't he? Yeah, I'd, I'd say so. I don't, I, you know, I feel... I, this is probably worse, in a way, to the point of being patronising, but I, I sort of felt sorry for him. And, like, you no, know, if he had taken over... A, a manager of that ability with that skill set and that experience had taken over Spurs in 2004, like, it probably would have been a good thing and he would have been really popular, but where the level Spurs were at at that point, or on a, albeit on a slightly downward trajectory, it just wasn't quite the moment I think James is right I do I do really like and admire Nuno as a person I think he's a really good guy I think he's very he's very honest and hardworking and committed and a good coach you know he did really really he did a great job at Wolves Uh, he obviously wasn't the right pick for Tottenham Uh, I hope that he goes on to have further success in the rest of his career Um, but equally there is something there is just something quite funny about seeing managers who've been in the Premier League pop up in in Saudi Arabia or wherever. If he had, if he had been available or, or hadn't just been sat by Spurs at the point that Ever- the Everton job came up when Benitez left, like two it away through last season or whatever it was, he he would have kept Everton up and it would have been way more convincing than Lampard. Everton fans would absolutely love him and people would be saying he's a really good manager. That, that's the reality of it. Well, the fact is he nearly went to Everton and Palace before yeah. he got the Tottenham job and those would have been much, much better fits for him than Tottenham. It was just, I mean, look, for reasons that we've talked about a billion times in this podcast, it was just crazy that he got the Tottenham job when, you know, given the ambitions of Tottenham, the quality of the players, what they were trying to achieve... All the rest of it, and uh, and that that's the weird thing. It's nothing. It's not Nuno's fault that he got a job that he wasn't ready for. It's it's Tottenham's fault. Can can we just not lose sight of the most hilarious part of the whole story, which is them using that clip from his Spurs interview of him saying, "We're going to make you proud," and and I'm sure he hasn't said it again in English. They yeah, they've used really? the clip of it. I kind of said it again. I assumed you I said it again. Yeah. Why would they you put said a it, microphone well, in front of his mouth and he said, "I'm going to make you proud." Would you have said it in English? I guess maybe you would have done. I'm so happy to be here. And my promise to you, we're going to make you proud. We're going to make you proud. For me, Nuno will always be, um, I, I realised how extremist I'd become about him when on this very podcast, I uh, insisted that I would have sacked him personally at half-time in the Arsenal game. I would have sacked him at half-time. And, I don't, and I, I'm, I'm absolutely serious about that. You, everyone could see it was going wrong. It's never going to come right. Thank you for your services. There's your severance pay. Yeah, we'll have to use the tube. Sorry, we need the car. You'll have to use the tube. Go to uh, Gillespie Road, as I still call Arsenal. Lastly, of course, the new stadium, pride and joy of Daniel Levy, pride and joy of everyone who supports Spurs, um, had one of its first big tests as this multifaceted uh, cultural hub that it's supposed to be with the recent concerts by Guns N' Roses. 
Um, the music journalist, a music fan and rock and roll fan in me, was delighted that it was slightly chaotic. Of course, I wasn't there, which helps. And the news that Axel Rose slept in the stadium between the two gigs because he didn't feel well was just totally brilliant. But um, lots of people left queuing up. I mean, it's a bit odd, isn't it? Because the stadium seems to work very, very well for a football crowd. I don't know what was going wrong there, though, but it, it didn't. It didn't. It wasn't a good look, was it, Jack? I wasn't at the Guns N' Roses gig, although I did. So I, when I got the Stansted Express back to Liverpool Street, normally Liverpool Street on Saturday afternoon is full of Tottenham fans or West Ham fans or both mm-hmm. or whichever clubs are playing at, at those two stadiums. But in, in fact, it's very different on last Saturday because it was full of people in Guns N' Roses t-shirts. Uh, that um, might be even worse than West Ham. Uh, but no, I, I didn't go to Guns N' Roses at Tottenham, so I actually don't have any insight <laughs> to offer on... I've got to say, I, I tweeted about this over the weekend because I, I noticed that Spurs had tweeted so many times about Guns N' Roses. I think it was 11 times about Guns N' Roses and only four times about Rich Richarlison up to the point that I, that I counted then, which I think was maybe Monday or Sunday night maybe. Um, I, I was just amazed at how they tweeted about the gigs, or these two gigs, so much. And when I tweeted this, I got loads of like, not abuse maybe, I'm egging it slightly, Loads of like narky comments from people saying, "Oh well, these are the first gigs I've had in the stadium. They're obviously proud. It's going to make the club a lot of money." Yada yada. I don't care. Why are you tweeting about Guns and Fucking Roses? They're rubbish. Yeah, and f- they are they are rubbish. They're rubbish. And forty odd years after I was locked outside of the old White Hart Lane, there we go. Um, till half time in a game against West Bromwich Albion, the same the same cry goes up: "Open the bastard turnstiles!" <laughs> you know, and nothing changes. If you could have one band of your choosing play at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, who would it be? Are you asking me? Both of you. Or both of us. Well, I mean, the Cribs, right? Everyone would say that. The Cribs playing... Danny, mm. I, I, can you believe this? The Cribs are coming to Kingston and they're playing their first three albums in full. Three separate right. gigs on one afternoon. Can you believe yeah. that? On a Saturday? Oh, no, it's not a Saturday. Are you going? I'm going to all three, yeah. mate. It's going to be amazing. Yeah. Um, but I don't, to answer your question, Jack, is I, I can't remember the last time I saw a band in a stadium that I enjoyed. It's just, you know... All right, I'll say it. If they were allowed to do exactly what they wanted to do and, and to deck out the stadium in exactly uh, the flaming lips, um, that's who I'd like to see in the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Very loud and with the stadium all done out in lights and flowers and things. That's the answer. I think the actual answer is Art Brute, but. Oh, yeah. Did, you, did I see that you've been to see LCD Sound System? Yeah, I saw them at Brixton Academy good? on Sunday evening. Really good. It's the best I've ever seen them. The venue worked really, really well for them, and the crowd was really work, good. That wouldn't work at a stadium, would it? I don't think. No, no. That's right. I think I think you need. I've seen LCD in big kind of uh, like out uh, Ali Pali and Vicky Park and stuff, and at Reading Festival before. But you need you need a proper you need a proper venue that keeps the sound in. You need the musicality of it and the percussion of it. I think for them. Well, thank you once again to All Music Radio and thank you for listening to The View from the Lane, which then transmogrified into James Moore Ponders um, and latterly into a sort of uh, New Musical Express podcast. Thank you all for listening to us very much indeed. Um, remember that if you're not already subscribed to The Athletic, you can sign up to read all of our articles on Spurs as well as everything else on the site. There's plenty for you to read right now as all the big transfers get done over the summer, as well as all of the articles we've mentioned uh, on the podcast in the last few weeks. Just go to theathletic.com forward slash Spurs pod and sign up right now for just £1 a month for six months. That's theathletic.com forward slash Spurs pod. We'll be back next week. As I say, thank you all for listening. The Athletic.